0: Today's episode is with Alex Sanfilippo, and he's the owner of PodMatch. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to really scale your business, and including some of the things that are a bit counterintuitive, like doing things that don't scale, doing things that actually help drive the innovation and the process of growing your business, and more importantly, why Podmatch is one of the best places to take your voice to the world and share some of your insights and your giftings. We'll be talking more about it on this episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast, bringing you another awesome guest from our PodMax event. If you're not familiar with PodMax, you got to go check out podmax.co. It's literally the number one event for podcasting and podcasting guests. Uh, It's one of my favorite events to meet other like-minded entrepreneurs and business owners. Again, you can find out more at podmax.co. But today's episode, I'm I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. One, we're going to be talking about what does it really mean to... take your idea... And turn it into a legitimate, sustainable business. We're also gonna talk about the growing pains of growing your business. If you listen to the podcast long term, you know that we're pretty honest about hey, this stuff's hard. It's not as um, pretty and easy as it seems on social media. We're gonna be digging more into that today. Today, I'm sitting down with Alex San Filippo, who's the founder of PodMatch.com. It's a SaaS company that automatically matches ideal podcast hosts and guests for interviews. He's also the founder of the Creating a Brand podcast, which you know I love to promote other podcasters. You can find out more at creatingabrand.com. Be sure you check out the podcast as soon as we're done today. Alex, it's so great to have you here today.
1: Blake, it's really an honor to be here today. And I have to say this, that producing a podcast of the quality of this show and at the consistency you've been doing it for such a long time takes so much work. So I really appreciate the Good Advice Show. And I appreciate I'm appreciative and honored to be here today. I'm looking forward to Help people do better with their businesses.
0: Well, it's it's always fun for me to have great guests like yourself on, and um, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask you. You know, you're you're doing a lot of what I'm doing, and you know, you really want to lift up business owners, you want to lift up entrepreneurs, you want to help them avoid some of the mistakes that um, I don't know if you've made. I know I've made tons of mistakes, and I'm (laughs) like. Oh God, if I could just keep people from making the expensive mistakes that I made, you know, we'll be in in a good place. But I've given sort of my version of who you are. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. So I'll give a little bit of backstory because I I haven't always been an entrepreneur or a podcast host. I actually did 15 years in the aerospace industry before this. So big corporate. Now, when I say aerospace industry, everyone assumes a few things. They assume I was either a fighter pilot. An astronaut or a skydiver, and I was none of those things. I you just need to keep- leave
0: it at that, though. It just <laughs> needs to be like, yeah, I'm in the aerospace. I mean, that's like the ultimate intro to like any like cocktail party or networking. Yeah, right. I'm in the aerospace, and you know, just let them wonder. Right.
1: But <laughs> I also- spoke at an event one time, and uh, somebody just yelled from the back of the room, like, "So have you been to the moon?" I was like. No, what? Um, but <laughs> I was uh, anyway, disappointed for the rest of the I, presentation. I am so sorry, everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I uh, basically what I was doing is I was running a commercial operations division, which is a fancy way of saying we controlled the company's profit margins and our processes. So I ran five departments. It was a multi billion dollar organization. Really fun to be part of. But as it got bigger and bigger corporate, I realized that I couldn't flex the entrepreneurial side of my, my mind anymore. Because it was like, oh, I've got a really good idea for our departments, It'd be six months before we can implement it. Because that's it had to go to shareholders it had to go to a board. Right. There's right. all these people you had to keep happy. I remember so one steps. month, yeah, one month, I really realized it. My team's just crushed it on saving a lot of money, both in the efficiencies and on the profit margin side of things. So the company made a lot more money. And I was psyched about it. it was like, high percentages, more than we were supposed to. I remember going to the CEO and being like, look at what we did. This is crazy. And he's like, the shareholders are furious. I was like, what? This is really good. He goes, they could have sold the stocks for a lot more if they would have known you were going to do all that. I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, so this whole thing, like through little things like that going on made me realize, I think I'm ready to move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, me being a curious guy who loves podcasts, uh, I wish I would have had your podcast. Actually, yours wasn't around <laughs> when I made this decision. So it, wouldn't, it wasn't there yet. But regardless, I was, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast because it's. I'd like to learn from these people. So I just started interviewing people and and really, just kind of fell in love with the industry uh, as a podcast host. So I started also a, a service-based company to help it as well. But that's kind of like a little bit about my background. And now I'm full-time podcasting. Call myself a pod people. So like everything I do is podcasting related, and I, I thoroughly enjoy all of that.
0: You and you've had some pretty incredible guests on your podcast. I'm just looking through your guest list now. Um, uh, Scott Miller, who's he's been on my podcast. Great, He's guest. great. He's a good friend. Uh, a really M- Michael Hyatt. Um, I mean, it, this, and I, I say all this because it's just fun to have a fellow podcaster on who they have a. This sounds so obnoxious, but they have a legitimate podcast. Like they, they're really <laughs> out there making it happen, making it work. You know, whenever you started the podcast, did you did you have the vision for what it would become, or was it kind of like I'm just going to hit record and and see what happens?
1: I think that I, I had the idea somewhat because I have a, a strategic mind. So I knew that it would grow, but I just didn't realize what would happen with it. I mean, you mentioned Michael Hyatt, and he's actually somebody who I've considered to be a mentor in my life indirectly. Like I, I don't, I don't didn't know him before we recorded a podcast episode together. Let's put it that way. But he'd been pouring into me for years without him realizing it. I never imagined my wildest dreams having the opportunity to even have a conversation with him, much less now keep in touch with him. And it's just one of those things that happened through the podcast. And from day one, I can't say that I would have known that, but I knew that I wanted to seek to help some other people and myself in the process, and I, I, it definitely has done that along the way.
0: Well, let's go back to a comment you made earlier, and I think it's interesting to dig into. You were talking about working in this business, and and I I think you describe the corporate lifestyle so well, in that it's like there's like any decision, there's really no agility there. It's like any decision that's going to be made, you know, you have to have a meeting about the decision, and that has to be taken to the shareholders, and all these different steps. it it feels like there's this common thread when I talk to entrepreneurs or startup founders who have been in the corporate world. They all seem to share this version of a story where, I don't know if you'd call it creativity, you you called it yourself as a, a curious person, but it's this part of their brain that's just not being utilized in the corporate world. And so they go out and they start their own business and what have you. What, what do you think is going on in the corporate world? Like, Why does it feel like so much talent and so much innovation is is frankly leaving on a daily basis?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. And quickly, I want to give this disclaimer. I, I loved that job. The day I left and put in my, my notice, even, I gave him a 90-day notice because apparently at that level, you're supposed to do that. So anyway, I gave them a a long winded notice and they kept on asking me to stay. And then back in my mind, I'm like, oh, it'd be so great to be able to do both somehow. But I knew I couldn't. So it was bittersweet. The day I walked out there for the last time, like turned in my key fob, my computer, and about a thousand other things I had collected over 15 years. It was like, it was a bittersweet day. Like I was sad to leave. And I think that for many of us, we want to leave. So that's one reason people just feel like they're maybe too confined by Mm -hmm. traditional business. And for me, they gave me some of the creativity that I could have. But I, I don't know. Like, it's very, it's an interesting conversation because I think that many of it is just you have your job, you have the processes and the processes, and you have to stick within this category of things that you're supposed to do. And what I find fascinating about it is as an entrepreneur, I would like my business to get there one day as well, right? I mean, I think that mm-hmm. all of us, we start a business. At some point, you want the systems that you create to work really well so people can stay in those spaces. And my business is now, there's seven of us working here. And everyone, aside from me, maybe, um, has like a very, here's what you do, right? This is your job. Mm. And so I'm already seeing that the beginning stages of that. So I really, I'm not sure exactly what it is, other than the fact that what I kind of just mentioned, we're, we're, we're curious, we're creative. We want to get out there and and try something for ourselves. Uh, Other than that, I don't really know what makes that happen. Of course, there's always like the bad management side of things. Like if you're working (laughs) for a bad boss or something like that, then yeah, that's a little sketchy, right?
0: Well, I, we we have a mutual friend in Scott Miller who I feel like has so many great stories of oh, those yeah. bad
1: bosses, and he was them uh, most of the time. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, something else. You know, we're talking about this this concept of creativity and wanting to start something, and many of the listeners who are tuning in right now. Some of them are already on that journey and other ones of them, they are in their nine to five job. They're in their corporate life right now. And they, they're they sort of dreaming about, yeah, I think, I think I have these visions and passions and ideas and they want to start it. Well, what do you think it looks like today for today's new entrepreneur to actually start a business in terms of some of the challenges that they might face, some of the honest expectations that they probably need to have? Um, and I say that because it feels like Social media is so good at portraying entrepreneurship as this very sexy, easy. I mean, I, I talked to a guy who this would have been a couple of years ago, but he was like, man, I just so badly want to be an entrepreneur. And I said, okay, well, what do you think that means? And he was like, oh, it's it's awesome. You get to sleep in as late as you want and no one tells you what to do. And I thought, okay, well, I think that's maybe immaturity. I don't I don't know what that is, but we have the image of what entrepreneurship is, is very different from what it actually is. Talk to us a little bit about what does it look like to start that journey?
1: Yeah. So the first thing you mentioned there is the challenges involved in it. And th- there are a lot of challenges. I mean, f- simply put, like if you're going to leave a job, then you're most likely leaving your income that you're somewhat reliant on at least. So like when I left the the aerospace job, I said no and rid off 90% of my, my income that I was making every month. That's a big decision. Like I'm, I'm a married guy. Like I own a home. Like I have cars. So I'm like, man. And then not to mention like the health benefits. And after 15 years, the perks just, they really add on. So I'm like, oh, I haven't paid a phone bill in a really long time. What's that like? You know, like my <laughs> cell phone has, has been a company cell phone. So like, Oh, insurance.
0: Wow. Like how do yeah, I? Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm like, wow. Insurance without your employer paying 75% of it is very expensive. Like who right. would have known? Um, so there's all those things that go into it. So the challenge first off, I think is is financial. It's like, oh my gosh, that's kind of scary, right? So the first thing people have to have is, is courage. You have to be courageous. If you're saying I'm jumping out of this, I'm going to go after it. For me, thankfully, I, I have a, a good amount of savings. But it's it's very interesting every month paying off a credit card bill because I, I do everything on a credit card and pay it off the first every month. But watching like the main account continue to dwindle down until we start paying ourselves for these businesses. They're fairly new. So we, we purposely said the first year we were not going to pay ourselves. And thankfully, we had the savings to be able to do that. But it's interesting just watching your bank account drop when you watched it grow so much. So that that's that's probably the biggest challenge ever come, and it takes a lot of courage to be able to to do that. And the next thing is what you're jumping into. What if it doesn't work, right? I mean, like it, entrepreneurship is kind of a, a lot of risk involved in it anyway, because you might be coming up with an idea that doesn't work. And that's definitely something that I think everyone needs to explore a little bit. Is okay? Does this idea have any merit to it? Is it real? And that's why I'm a big fan of everything we're talking about here. Is just starting with a side hustle. Like keep the main job. And just do something on the side to start off because I think it really helps out a lot.
0: And it, it seems like, you know, we've all heard the statistics on small business success and you know, something like 80% will have failed by the 10-year mark. And none of us really like to think of ourselves as... I mean, it's like, of course, I'm in the 20%. I mean, of course, my business is going to make it, but... It almost feels like we're not always willing to be honest in the process of what it actually looks like to start a business, to run a business. I mentioned earlier how social media, I mean, I, I think it's tough for the, the new entrepreneur today, because what social media presents is often, I mean, we're inundated with, you know, someone who says, Yeah, I decided to quit my job and, you know, 30 days later I'm now running this multi-million dollar business. And they leave out, you know, 90% of the story. But it does feel like we go into it not fully accepting of the fact of what you just mentioned. Hey, this might not even work. You know, and so then where do I go from there?
1: Yeah. And you're talking about the expectations here and to the whole is it sexy thing? Like, okay, I want to wake up whenever I want to wake up. I'm just as disciplined, disciplined now as I was when I was in the corporate job. I still wake up to an alarm every morning. Yes, it's an hour later. So I used to wake up at six and I wake up at seven. I'm like a night person. So that works good for me. I have a, I have a, alarm that reminds me to go to bed at night. So I'm not staying up all night, partying and stuff like that. Right. Like there has to be some discipline. As a matter of fact, there's even more now, like my wife and I, our favorite thing to do, like we're both like really fit people, but we love to go out and eat, which is like, you're not supposed to do that as much when you're like a really fit person, but that's like our hobby. (laughs) We've had to cut back on that a lot to stretch the finances knowing, Hey, for a year, we're not going to pay ourselves. We have to be willing to, to cut, cut that out for a little bit. So we don't do as much of that. Like, that's not sexy. Like waking up in the morning isn't sexy. You are your own boss. And most entrepreneurs I find are really crappy bosses because they won't tell themselves, no, you need to work today. Yeah, your friends want to go to the beach, but no, today you have to work. And you won't tell yourself that because that's what you didn't like in the corporate world, right? Like, oh, my boss makes me work nine to five every day type of thing. But at the end end of the day, you have to be willing to do that. So honestly, there is nothing sexy about entrepreneurship at all, uh, at all in my mind.
0: How how does someone build like those, those levels of diligence around routine and habits? And because I I would totally agree that it's almost like however diligent or habitual you were, you know, before you started your business, it's almost like the pressure is on even more now to create those habits and, you know, all those different things. How does someone develop those things? How does someone create those habits in a successful way?
1: Yeah, Blake, this is a really good question. A really good point here. I'm I'm glad you, you kind of honed in on this a little bit you know, first off, when I was in, when I'm in the corporate job or anyone is like, wake up and go to work or you're fired type of thing, basically. Right. So you do have some built in accountability when it's all you, it's a lot more difficult. Like the routines that I had and have had for a long time. When I first like made the shift to self-employment and just self employed and doing this myself, it was, it was, it was kind of crazy. Cause I'm like, oh man, I used to have like no problem waking up. And now I'm like, gosh, it's a struggle getting out of bed sometimes. Cause it's like, well, I can sleep an extra hour. There's no one waiting on me necessarily. Right. So yeah, that, that gets really difficult and you have to have a level of self-discipline. And for me, it all begins with purpose. Like, why am I doing this? And what is it doing for me? Is it, what was it doing for other people? So like the purpose of the, the, the company altogether or the side hustle or the startup, whatever it might be, and then the purpose for you. So if it's you in a family, like, what is it going to do for you? And what are you doing for somebody else by remembering these things and kind of like that three-tier Set of purpose, if you will. It's a good reminder that no, I need to get up today. I need to show up. I need to go to bed on time, even though I love staying up all night. I need to go to bed on time so I wake up fresh tomorrow, so I can do a good job being a guest on Blake's podcast because that's one of my main commitments of the day that I have. That was me this morning. No, okay, I gotta, I gotta get cleaned up. Right, like I need to brush my <laughs> teeth, fix my hair, do all the regular things. And yeah, so it's just a matter of really having a self-discipline. And for me, the best way of being able to do that is I write it down. So I reread my purpose every morning. I write down my intentions for the day. And I just do what I call, like we talked about Michael Hyatt earlier, he calls it a big three for the day. Like, what are your three main things you're going to do every single day? So for me, I think about the purpose. And I'm like, okay, here's the three things I need to do today. And there's a bunch of smaller things, of course. But if I can get those three things done, I did a good job. But I make sure that I follow as much as I possibly can a structure, a format, because that works. It helps you stay focused. And if you don't have a routine built on what you're doing, and you're just always trying your best and doing air quotes there, it's not going to work. You have to set something up that's going to be a little painful. That's why it's called self-discipline. But it's going to be worthwhile for your business and for your purpose.
0: I like how you you tie it also back to ultimately you know the family that you're taking care of but ultimately also the clients that you're serving it's like there's people who are counting on me to show up today and what i've noticed in and i'm sure you've you've heard similar trends on the incredible guests who've come on your podcast is it feels like people who've they've developed these really amazing businesses they keep harping on this concept of it being about the customer and it being about the client and what we essentially are owing to our customers and the people who I feel like aren't really creating that momentum are very, uh, they sort of miss that. And it's, it's very much, you know, being an entrepreneur is about creating their name for themselves and showing people they have what it takes. And, and not like there's anything wrong necessarily with that, but it does feel like the more successful I see people become, the more they've gained this insight on wow, I I really am sort of beholden to these people who are counting on me to show up every day. Uh, And I'm sure you've had a similar experience with the customers you're serving via Podmatch, uh, the people who are benefiting from the Creating a Brand podcast. Um, I don't know.
1: What do you think? Yeah, this is another just really phenomenal point here. And it leads me to a few thoughts. First off, like I've grown my business because of this mindset. So I don't refer to anybody on Podmatch as customers or clients. We call them members. It's the people that we serve, but they are members with us. We're a community of people that are serving a purpose together, which is to produce good podcast episodes for the world to listen to. Like, good content, I feel like, is being led by podcasts right now. Used to be TV, used to be radio, but I feel like the true Mm. good voices out there are indie podcasters, so independent podcasters out there. So, like, that's our whole idea. So, I I wanted to come aside these people and not call them customers. They're our members, they're people that we're all doing this together with. I think it's just such an important piece of the puzzle is if you can get that right that you are serving a group of people and not just thinking of them as a number or tying a financial directly to them like oh they're all worth a dollar fifty each so i Mm got to make sure my time makes sense and some people will tell you that's the best way to run a business if they're worth a dollar fifty don't give them more of your time than that for me no they're a member They're someone in my community they're my tribe i'm going to work with them and you actually had a really great episode it was a 190 Stacey brown randall Mm is who it was and she was talking about getting referrals without asking for them And the whole goal, what she was saying, is to direct how somebody feels about you. I've learned that this really helps people feel great about you. So me, as the leader of Podmatch, people every single day reach out to me like, hey, thank you so much for inviting me into what feels like a family. Like there's 12,000 people using this platform, but it feels like I'm the only person here with you because you've made it so individual. And yeah, that takes time. That takes work. But again, it ties me back to my purpose of remembering, no, I'm here to serve people. And together, we're making a difference in impacting the entire world. But I'm here to serve that one person who needs it most. And... Perhaps this is also tied into, like me personally, I'm I'm a Christian. I do my best to follow Jesus. And the example Jesus set was to to love people and to serve them. So maybe this is just tied and and engraved deeply into me. But I do everything in business with the customer in mind. And for me, again, I call those people my members. They're the people that I'm really co-collaborating with.
0: I love that you said that. And this this isn't a religious podcast in, in any way, but I'm also a Christian. And something my wife was remarking about last night was how much Jesus talked again and again, really just communicated the value of every individual person. Yeah, And we were kind of remarking on like today's politics, like it's so hostile and it's like, you know, people yelling at each other and all these different things. And my wife, Joy, was kind of like, man, I just, if we could just kind of grab onto this concept of like every person is valuable. I think that's such a, a it's such a great tie into what you're saying on you know when we see our customers in that light uh, or see our members in that light it can really transform our business rather than just you know this is a means to an end to feed my ego you know to feed my wallet uh, which unfortunately that is how some people approach business um, let's talk more about PodMatch because you know we we segued to that. You know you are a a startup founder of your own. You have this incredible community, like you mentioned, twelve thousand members. Uh, I'd love to hear more about how PodMatch came to be and really how you've sort of developed it into what it is today.
1: Yeah, this is actually this is a good segue. This works perfectly. So for me, it was I was in podcasting, like I mentioned. So I've had my podcast for a while, creating a brand. And I started speaking at all the podcasting conferences or a lot of them, right? So I was traveling around and I just realized more and more that I cared about podcasters. Like I felt like not only was it a great hobby that I was learning a lot from and my own show was impacting helping people, but also the other podcast hosts I'd connect with were just great people. And I really enjoyed them. I told my wife, I think I really want to do my best to serve this community somehow. I don't know what that looks like. I'll speak at the conferences and if I can help new people, then great. But at this one particular conference was actually, it was 2020, it was actually like the end of February, I think is when it was like the last week of February. And that's when we used to actually go to conferences in person, Blake. I don't know if you remember that. We'd like high five, shake hands and hug. <laughs> so there's not, yeah, the good yeah, old the, days, the good old days. We're coming hopefully, back. To that. Hopefully we're
0: on our way back, right? It's I think like, we're
1: on our way back. I, I mean, yeah. please. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so I, I, I was going to speak and there's about 2000 people at this conference. I told my wife, when I get off stage, there will be a line of people wanting to talk to me. Now, I'm not trying to sound cocky by saying that. If you're the worst speaker in the world, there's a line of people to talk to you. If you're the best speaker (laughs) in the world, there's still a line. Like Regardless, people are going to be kind and say something nice to you. So my goal was I want to talk to as many people as I can. And so I got off stage, and sure enough, there was people wanting to talk. And I got through quite a few people, and I actually found that about 100 people said the same thing, because I asked them. I'm like, what are you struggling with in podcasting? Like, Thanks for listening to me talk. What are you struggling with? And I consistently heard through about 100 people, I'm having trouble finding the ideal guest for my show. My mom will be on the show, my brother, my cousin, like I can get them on the show, but it's not the right guest for my show. Mm -hmm. And uh, me being as creative as I am, I came home with no ideas at all. And uh, (laughs) it was actually, I was at at this point, the world had shut down and I was doing a kettlebell workout on my back porch because that's where we worked out at that point. And um, that's when, that's like, that's when it hit me. And I should give the disclaimer, not the kettlebell. Sorry, the the idea for Podmatch (laughs) hit me, not the kettlebell. I put down the kettlebell. I ran inside to some whiteboards and started whiteboarding out the idea. And I was like, what if we could build something that's like an online dating app to connect podcast guests and hosts together? And that's exactly what we set out to do. I actually called up a co-founder immediately, a friend that I had worked with previously. and was like, hey, let's draft up some quick documentation, 50-50 partners. Let's both put $2,500 into account and just see what we can do. And on June 15th, 2020, we actually launched Podmatch into early beta, with the 100 people that said that was the solution they were looking for. And that's like the origin story of this. And again, I didn't come up with the idea myself necessarily and trust my own thoughts on how I could serve podcasters. I asked them what they were struggling with. They told me I created a solution, MVP, just as quickly as I possibly could and said, hey, does this do what you were asking? Is this working for you? And from there, we really just started building the company because those 100 people said, yeah, this is exactly what we were looking for.
0: What I like about your story too is, you know, we're talking about really the startup journey and like how does someone create a a startup that actually has legs to it? And there's there's so many different directions we can go with this conversation. From um, first of all, I love that you moved to the MVP so quickly. Uh, where you know a lot of us as startup founders we get lost in you know feature creep and you know the bloat of the product. And I talked to a guy who he was like, "Yeah, I'm still working on my MVP. It's been like eight years." And I was like, "Okay, well, that might be something off there." But something that's so cool about your story is you designed your product around the needs of the customer and what they were telling you they needed. Hey, this is what the problem we're facing. And I think what's really funny about the the good advice podcast is a lot of times there's these insights we talk about that I think the listeners are like, well, yeah, how else would you do it? Like of course, like why wouldn't you do it that way? But yet so many times people what they create for their startup is actually based on something they're passionate about or that they think is really cool and awesome. And even when they go to the customers and they say, hey, what do you think about this? And the customer says, well, I don't really need that. I don't really like that. Then they're like, well, you're not my customer. Well, you don't know what you're talking about. And so I, I just love how it's, it's like you did it the right way. You, you, you did it through the means of what the customer was telling you and letting them shape your product rather than this is what I want, you know, this is how I envision it. Um, and I don't really have a question with that other than just remarking on like, that is the way to do it. And yet it feels like so many of us don't do it that way.
1: I, I don't know. It's yeah. just interesting. We, we lose our way often. We, we mm. have this idea and even it came from the right place, which I think for me, again, some people have great ideas. Dude, I don't have good ideas. Like I'll be real. <laughs> I have had so many startups, or I shouldn't say startups, side hustles that just didn't go anywhere along the way because I was like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, that'd be a great idea. When the truth is, I just need to ask the people I'm passionate about, like going back to the beginning what we said, the people I'm passionate about, ask them what they're struggling with, and they'll tell you. And if you can find some commonality, then, then go for it. And you know, I, I think it's so important to have this, We uh, our number one core value with Podmatch is member obsession. So that's the first thing I always think about is how can we continue to be obsessed with our members? Somebody else who has that in common with us is actually Amazon. They call it customer obsession. That is their number one core value of their company. And they say wow. that most of their growth happens because of that. And they go as far as if you ever realize this, you don't need a knife to open most boxes you get from Amazon because they said, that's not putting the customer first. So they have to find a, a knife and open it up. And it's hard. That's not good for them. Let's just make it really easy for them to open. Let's get to them in two days, right? Like these are the things that Amazon has done. And for us, we just want to be like, how can we be obsessed with our members to make sure they just have the best experience from start to finish. And from day one, we've just been devoted to these people. And yes, I got in my own way. There were some features. I was like, this would be really cool to add, which we found later. We actually backtracked out two really big features that were my ideas to put in that people just didn't want. And at that point, we devoted, you know what? Our roadmap is now designed by our members, not us anymore. So we actually don't pick what we work on next. We do polls with our members, people that are using it the most. I jump on calls with them all the time, asking them, hey, what's missing? What's there? What could be better? What could be worse? Like, right? Like I'm asking all the questions. And that's, I call that doing things that don't scale that can't happen at scale. I cannot get on a call with 100 people a day. There's no way I can talk to four or five maybe, and then it's a lot of work to finish. But I'm doing things that don't scale, but I'm keeping touch with the customer. I'm keeping touch with the member. I'm keeping my my hands to the pulse of it to make sure is this thing's still breathing, still going a healthy way. And so many of us, even if we start off with the right intent, we disengage from the customer because now we've got the product. Let's go raise some money. Let's mm-hmm. build bigger products. Let's do this. Let's do this. And we've seen time and time again, if you look at startups, especially in the United States good intent good ideas from the beginning they raise a ton of capital and these million dollar companies end up failing because they lost touch with what the people actually wanted that were using it so doing things that don't scale is just such an important point that i always tell people make sure that you keep in touch with the person that's using your product or service
0: it's 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 reminding your customers that they're individuals in your business rather than just another customer right, and right. i love i love that phrasing of doing things that don't scale i mean it's it's writing the thank you card to a customer when it's like, of course, you I mean, if you have a 1000 customers, you can't write everyone a thank you card. But um, I always write a thank you card to everyone who comes on the show, which I mean, it's, it's, you know, over 100 people every year. And it's really and it's handwritten. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of work. I mean, everyone gets a different personalized message. Wow. But I feel like these are the things that let someone know, hey, you you mattered for my business. And it goes back to the podcaster that you mentioned earlier, Stacey. Stacy, who came on the show, was talking about getting referrals for your business. The whole secret sauce she was talking about was communicate value to the individual person. So in these conversations that you're having with people, you know, you're communicating value, but you're also gaining insight on what they want next. How have you gotten really good at Sort of filtering customer feedback and following customer feedback because a lot of times we're really, I mean, I, I remember there's one business owner I was talking to who had gotten some really harsh feedback from a customer. And he was like, Well, if they don't like it, they can go somewhere else. And I was like, They are going somewhere else. That's the whole point. <laughs> you know, so like, how have you created this appetite for uh, gathering customer feedback?
1: Uh, Blake, this is such an insightful question. I, you obviously know a lot of this stuff that we're talking about here today. And, uh, You know, whatever we build, whether it's a product, service, online course, I don't even like social media account, all those things, they become our baby. Like we're attached to them. And it is very tough to ask people for feedback. I'll be real. Most calls I get on when I have a feeling that this person's gonna be a little harsher, I feel uneasy and uncomfortable. And most people I like to think, or or I I actually hate to think, they'll just be like, I don't want to talk to that person then. I don't want to talk to that person. But Mm -hmm. I step into it knowing... They're going to call my baby ugly. They're going to say your baby is the grossest thing I've ever looked at. Yeah. Right. And I, I know that's going to happen, but I need to sit back and say, can I learn something from this? Right now, disclaimer, some people are just mean, like they don't have, you could give them a piece of like a, a gold, literally on a plate. Here's a gold brick and be like, oh, I hate the plate that you gave it to me. I don't want that. Like some people are just going to be like that. And you have to be able to, to decipher that for yourself, not get mad back at them. Right. You have to be willing to like sit back and, and just kind of take that. But sometimes people will have some bad feedback that you need to hear, that you need to listen to. Uh, my friend Jay Bear, he has a book called Hug Your Haters. And <laughs> it, it kinda, the whole idea is you're going to get more important feedback from people who don't like your product or service than the ones that do. The people that are singing your praises, like we have a lot of those at Podmatch, which I'm so thankful for, it's so encouraging. But I can't learn a lot from the person who thinks everything I do is amazing. Like when they think that I walk on water, that doesn't really help me improve. But when someone says, ah, your service is okay, I'm always like, I want to talk to you. Do you have 15 yeah. minutes where I can talk to you? And yeah, again, it hurts. It's tough to engage that because they're going to say some harsh things. And I just have to sit back and take it and listen and see if there's any merit there. And then you have to be able to have some discernment yourself because sometimes, again, people are saying things that don't, don't make sense. Like example, I had somebody who was complaining because the pod match didn't do enough. He said it'd also be great if it could also host his podcast. That has no merit. That's not, we're not a hot podcast hosting provider. We'll recommend them for you, but that's not the business that we got. in. we mm. are here to match you with an ideal guest. Or if you're a guest, to help you find a podcast to be on. That is why we exist. So we're going to stay focused on that. But sometimes you were like, hey, the messaging system is a little bit clunky. Like it was hard for me to figure out how to message somebody. Okay, that's not good feedback, but that makes sense. Maybe I actually need to do that. And going back to what Jay Bear talks about, he says that one out of every 10 people will say something that think the same way. And I think that stat's actually changed even since he wrote that book. But basically, if one person's saying something, that means there's 10 others at least feeling the same way, but they won't say anything because most people just don't say anything. They'll just let it go. So you're doing a huge disservice to yourself by not listing that one person as a complaint. Uh, Again, the whole idea, hug your haters. And so for me, it's just a matter of having that discernment, making sure it's valid, but then also being willing to engage with people who probably don't like everything that I'm doing because that helps me know what I need to adjust and how I can improve.
0: I had a uh, business I was talking to who they were collecting uh, survey feedback from different customers. And there was a group of customers that they hadn't collected surveys from. And I was sort of asking like, why didn't you, why didn't you send the survey to those people? And they're like, Oh, cause we knew they'd be really upset. Like they weren't, they weren't good customers. And I thought that's a bit ironic that you would avoid getting what probably could have been really insightful feedback. And it almost feels like as entrepreneurs, we're so um, thin skinned that often we avoid that feedback process. Uh, but to be fair, sometimes people are. They deliver the information really harshly. Uh, I was reading on your uh, on your website, creatingabrand.com. I was leading one, reading one of your blogs from February on uh, my reflection notes from a really rough day. And by the way, everyone who's listening, you should go check out this article. And you, you give a really great uh, example of what Someone you know, someone who basically cusses you out, and they could have easily just been like, "Hey, I," you know, it's kind of like that uh, old—I can't think of the movie. It's like the old Adam Sandler movie where he's like, "Okay, a simple no would have worked." Yeah, (laughs) you know, (laughs) totally crushing me. Um, But I love how you in the article you talk about being empathetic and and understanding where they're coming from and understanding maybe why they're so passionate and why they're maybe even so angry. I I, I think it's a pretty powerful message versus you know the sort of and again i don't i don't have any issue with someone being um having confidence or ego about their business but you do a great job of still keeping it about the customer rather than you know don't they know who i am how dare they
1: <laughs> right yeah you know and that that's it's tough to do like there's some days where for some reason I don't know why everything seems to happen in like a batch so like one day i'll get just a ton of good feedback i'm like top of the world I'm like oh man everyone loves what we're doing this is great the next day it's like 10 people will say something bad about it and i'm like oh and then you're like way down <laughs> and I, like like you said that that post was was just me being completely transparent like i just wrote that like on the spot after at the end of a really rough day it was one of those days where everyone just had something terrible to say and it wasn't like it wasn't even like nice or helpful bad things to say it was just like <laughs> mean like yeah. hey you're terrible you're a bad human being alex i'm like okay but at the end of the day, like having empathy toward other people, and I've said this on other podcasts as well, that if I could ever have one superpower, it would be empathy to ha- be more empathetic toward other people. Cause like, you don't know what someone else is going through, like for all, you know, they could be experiencing like a terrible loss in their life. And then I'm the one who rubbed them the wrong way. Cause something didn't load faster if it didn't work. And they just took it out on me, but like, maybe they're having a really rough time and I've just got to be okay with that. And I think something I wrote in there was that hurting people hurt people, mm-hmm. like people don't mean. To to be as as rude and mean as they are, and online it's a lot easier because you don't you're not face to face with somebody, you can't see their response or anything like that. And at the end of the day, you've got to learn to develop thick skin. Like you said, we're, we're very we have thin skin, and initially we're worried about what people are going to say and think. You have to learn to let that go as quickly as you can. And I, I think the best way that you can do that is to have people in your corner. So like Blake, like this has been a, a great podcast episode. I really respect you as a host. I'd love to stay in touch with you. And for me, there might be days where I'd like, just like to, if I, people are talking trash about a podcast, I'd love to call you and be like, man, have you ever had anyone do this and you can just kind of offer <laughs> right. some encouragement. Like having right. those people in your corner is so helpful. And at the end of the day, I think that everyone has to remember there will never be a time when everyone likes you or what you do, that's mm. never going to mm-hmm. happen. It should not be the goal at the end of the day. We have to do for one what we wish you could do for all. So serve the one person who really needs you and let the rest go. And if they don't like you, it's okay. But you've got to develop that thick skin along the way and have that team in your corner that can help build you up.
0: Do you, do you think in some ways, social media sort of misguides us in that? Because I, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, there's it's, it's total insanity to expect everyone to like you and not just like you, but to vocally approve of you. You know, it's like there will always be the haters, right? And so, but at the same time, it feels like social media is kind of, and, and not necessarily to make this like, and I mean, I, I don't say I don't make it anti-social media. I feel like I, on, on every episode, I somehow get back to social media. <laughs> Me too. It does, it's okay. it does feel like we keep getting back to um, almost like we're being hardwired to see those likes, to see, to post something that I mean, I mean, I had a guy who I posted something on LinkedIn, and then we got coffee, and he said, "Hey, I really disagreed with what you said," uh, and it was like on management and retention. And over coffee, we had this really great dialogue. But I said, at the end of it, I said, well, why didn't you, why didn't you make that comment though? And he said, well, because I knew people wouldn't, they wouldn't like it or agree. And it felt like people were mostly agreeing with what you were saying. And so here's someone who wasn't sharing his valuable insight because he perceived that people would, wouldn't be in agreement with it. And it feels like that happens often. Uh, I don't know, what's your take on it?
1: Yeah, I think that as entrepreneurs we have to be careful with social media. I mean, I'm all, I'm I'm not great at this, but I'm all for building a personal brand and, and growing that online. But you have to be careful what indirect feedback will get you. And social media is indirect. If people can see if it's not directly in the DMs or in a message or anything like that, then it's not direct feedback. It's indirect. So people are going to sugarcoat things on either side people who don't like it just a little bit might be like this is the worst ever like you can't take that to heart because it's in a comment right the Mm -hmm. worst place you can go by the way is youtube comments i don't know what type of people (laughs) hang out on youtube but don't read youtube comments um but granted again you're gonna have two extremes basically because it's public so people want a reaction that's the goal of, of social media right engagement reaction and the algorithms all push for more of that so if people are engaging with it liking it or disliking it you're gonna see it more and so I think you just have to be careful with that. I'm not saying don't read the comments and, yeah, you should respond to people that are being nice and even respond to people that are being mean. You really should. But you have to take it for what it is. And it's it's not reality. So, again, messages are a step closer. An actual face-to-face conversation, even if it's over Zoom or whatever you use these days, is still going to be far more powerful than anything else you do, though. So you just have to kind of take it for what it is and and... And be willing to let things again slide off, both the compliments and the negative remarks.
0: So you're you're obviously seeking out feedback on Podge, PodMatch. You know, you're you're continually uh, developing it and you know moving it along. W- what do you envision happening next with PodMatch?
1: Yeah. So right now, again, we we are. I've gotten very. Good. My developer has always been good at this, but I've gotten really good at. Just listening to the members and talking to them like next Friday, the whole day is reserved for phone calls and Mm -hmm. or zoom calls really because I like to see people actually using it tell me what's going on with it. And I've just done a really good job of figuring out what people are looking for. And again, how can we make it easier for that end goal again, that purpose of let's get content out for the world. So ideal guest and host together producing a great episode. That's, that's our mission. That's our vision. So the next things we're working on that we have three small things people have asked for, they're like little speed enhancements, moving a couple buttons around simple things. And then we're doing our huge UX upgrade. So believe it or not, we're about to hit one year old, and we have not focused on UX at all. We got a logo after like four months. So we did get a logo. But at first, we didn't <laughs> have that. But like, we've just basically run this thing of let's get it to do whatever everyone wants it to do. And then we'll make it look really pretty when we're done with that. And mm-hmm. so we're, finally at that phase where now we can kind of really make it look good. And people are asking for that now because the other features are all so strong within it. It's fulfilling the purpose that we set for it to be doing. And now it's like, okay, now let's make it look really pretty. And it's kind of considered, I'd I'd consider a finished product at that point.
0: Awesome. Well, we're unfortunately out of time. This has been really fun and enjoyable for the listeners who are tuning in and they're like, okay, I really, I really like what I'm hearing from Alex. And either I want to check out Podmatch or I want to um, check out this creating a brand podcast. Tell us a little bit about what's next. How does someone connect with you? How do they connect to um, both of these products? I mean, what, what would you like them to do?
1: Yeah, so Podmatch. You can just go to Podmatch.com. It's pretty simple for people to find that. Uh, When it comes to creating a brand, I'll actually recommend a specific episode. Also, check out the blog post that that Blake talked about. You can just go to CreatingABrand.com. You see the blog tab. But also, if you go to CreatingABrand.com slash zero, I'm sorry, CreatingABrand.com slash one zero zero. I was so used to saying zero before the one, like I just (laughs) hit episode one hundred when we're recording this, so it's hard for me to say. But CreatingABrand.com slash one hundred. That's me talking about basically my journey of, of leaving my day job. And I go into some example on that. I think it'd be very helpful for your audience. But other than that, I recommend sticking with good advice. I mean, this this podcast is amazing, man. Like I'm really blown away by the quality of this. So I recommend your listeners hang here. Blake is really taking you guys places.
0: I appreciate that. Alex, it's been so fun having you on the podcast today, and I appreciate you making the time.
1: Thanks, man. Absolutely an honor to be here.
0: Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put both of those links down in the episode description below, both podmatch.com. And, you know, even if you aren't running a podcast, you may be someone who you have a pretty awesome story to share. And so you'd make for an awesome guest. So check out podmatch.com and see if it can pair you with an incredible host who'd like to have you on their podcast. And also I'll put the link to that blog post, How to Quit Your Day Job, 10 Steps for Making It Happen Faster on the Creating a Brand website that'll be down in the episode description below. Hey, if you've been tuning in for a while, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button. Click that follow button. So you keep getting good advice wherever you are. And if you want to support the podcast, I have a way for you to do that. You can go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash good advice. You can support the podcast. You can even get your business advertised in the intro to our podcast. Again, that's patreon.com slash good advice. As always, we so appreciate you and we'll catch you later. Thanks for tuning in. See ya.